All right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome in episode 15 of the Super Subs. Andy, what a week of soccer again. How are you? It has, I am doing well. It has been an up and down week from, from last week for me. Uh, how is, how has the week turned out for you and your, your sports world, Paul? Sports world was pretty good. Uh, Michigan State basketball a little up and down this week, but as we know, this is a soccer podcast, not a basketball podcast. So from a mm. soccer standpoint, uh, Barcelona keeps their winning waves, winning ways going. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. Man. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I, I am excited to, to go into it. Uh, but we're actually going to switch it up. I think this week, uh, we're going to yeah. talk about United. Um, and I th- wonder, wonder we're why there crazy. was this, we're getting crazy and I wonder why there was the switch. It seems like you want me to, to <laughs> divulge and, uh, revel in the, the crazy week that we <laughs> had first yeah. before going into the nice Barcelona. It's almost like you felt bad for me, Paul, which I appreciate. Hey, I, I, I know you had some stuff to get off your chest, so let's, let's <laughs> let it out. This is, this is therapy, right? That's why we do this. This oh, is a therapy session. This, this is, this is so true. This is like that man's therapy that people try to, or people put out there for like men. It's like, you need man therapy when people should just get therapy. Uh, but yeah, we real therapy. have a, we project all of our feelings onto our sports teams and then we reflect yes. back on that. <laughs> yes. Um, but to be more, to be more healthy, we'll go with this, go with this podcast route. Um, <laughs> so Man United had quite the, quite the week, uh, and yeah. definitely has been a sloping down week. Um, I had recently heard that United have played, uh, the most amount of games or are now quote unquote the busiest team, uh, with the amount of games they've played, uh, in front of them and how they've played in the season. Um, so maybe we're starting to see that kind of come into uh, fruition with these past games. Uh, the games I'm talking about are the Crystal Palace uh, 1-1 draw, uh, where United completely dominated the first half with a well-worked goal uh, from Rashford and Eriksen uh, to Bruno to slot it in. Um, really was a, a fantastic buildup in the play, and it's nice to see an open uh, open play goal that looked like it was from a training session. So that was great to see. Uh, second half rolls around in this game, though, and United dropped their intensity. Uh, not necessarily in, from what I saw that it was a lack of effort. People looked like they were trying to press uh, and working in coordination. Uh, but I don't know if they pressed too much in the first half or tried to press a little bit too much than what their bodies wanted them to do in the second half. And I think the midfield wasn't super compact. Um, this actually led very, very well into the next segment, uh, which was our dreaded and probably worst prospect to have, uh, which was Casemiro uh, ended up giving up a foul from all this pressing and this uh, not compact midfield. Reason that was so important, uh, or so significant rather, was that if Casemiro or a couple of other players got yellow cards in this game, it meant that they had to sit out the next game uh, for compiling cards, uh, compiling yellow cards. So Casemiro gets that yellow card, uh, and maybe 10 minutes later, um, Crystal Palace gets a free kick uh, on the corner of the area, a little bit further out, maybe like 35, 30, 33 yards. And, uh, Crystal Palace, I think her name's Olise, hits a perfect, perfect free kick. 
um, De Gea can't do anything about it. Um, and because of that, now we were, we were set up in a, uh, one, one draw. So Paul, not the greatest midweek result, uh, leading into, uh, Arsenal and United with our title challenge, uh, uh, on the, on the cards. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Andy, just going on the Crystal Palace game, watched a little bit of it and Crystal Palace, <laughs> at the end looked like the better team and if not for De Gea I think Man United loses that game mm-hmm. and it it took an a goal of absolute class like slotted in the absolute top corner top shelf top bins whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. from Olise to to tie the game and mm-hmm. I think De Gea honestly had one of his best games of the season and was only thwarted by an even better free kick mm-hmm. yeah cuz I think there was even another goal before that or another shot that he made it a miraculous save on. Um so yeah, in the second the second half Crystal Palace were the were the better team. Um yeah. I think United did enough in the game to warrant warrant the tie uh and maybe yeah. sneak out with a win. Uh but in the second half Crystal Palace Crystal Palace deserved their point. Um so that yeah. uh from the game it was it was definitely a fair result. Uh but definitely just for me just a little a little deflating going in. Uh, especially given how much we had talked about Casemiro leading up to it. Uh, yeah. But in general, I, I things, have thoughts. Yeah. I have thoughts, but I'm going to save them. I'm going to save them until after the, after you talk about Arsenal, because it kind of all, it all lumps together for me, my, my thoughts on the Man United situation from this past week. Sure. I'd, I'd love to hear it, definitely, because something, something has happened. Some, something has switched off. The intensity isn't there. Or maybe it's the luck isn't there. Um, but I would say just in general, as we talk about this, in this disappointment, this disappointment was definitely different than last year's disappointment, where we can see a system and pattern developing, and we're seeing players bought in. And the fact that we are disappointed with a draw against actually a really good Crystal Palace side. Uh, just today, Crystal Palace, or sorry, yesterday, they tied with uh, Newcastle. Uh, who's now the third, third best team, fourth best team in the league. So they're a good team. So only being disappointed with a draw there, I think is a good sign. Um, yeah. So now we'll head into tomorrow. Um, or sorry, tomorrow. head into yesterday. Head into yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, today, tomorrow, everything, everything's a blur. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, ha- it happens. Um, it happens. So, <laughs> um, leading up to Arsenal game, uh, obviously not having Casemiro is a big, uh, a big factor. Uh, but last time we played, uh, Arsenal, we had beaten, uh, them without Casemiro. So feeling that we could do, we could nick it, but knowing it was going to be a really tough battle. Uh, and the game started off amazing. It was high intensity. Uh, as commentators were saying, this was like the Arsenal United games of old where you had just two heavyweights going at it and both teams were going at it. No one was trying to play too defensively to try to like play on the counterattack, in my opinion. Um, everyone looked like they were going at it. Um, Arsenal did look strong in terms of their buildup. They were having some, I think, more dangerous possession in the area, in our areas, but we were looking dangerous when we countered. Um, which leads to the first goal of the game, which is Marcus Rashford lashing a rocket into the back of the net against Arsenal. We're up 1-0. Um, a very vindicating goal. 
because we had heard so much on uh, social media about how Party uh, is this great uh, midfielder and so much better than Casemiro, um, and Rashford making uh, Party look silly for his tackle by just skipping uh, the ball past his uh, outswinging leg and jumping over him, and then Rashford just rattling a uh, shot into the back of um, uh, what's his face's uh, net. Uh, I don't even care about his name, Ramsdale. Um, him go. missing his his near post was was great to see. Um, so feeling feeling good. Um, six minutes later, Arsenal get the tying goal. Um, seeing some cracks in our defense, but overall feeling that there's going to be more goals in this game, and I think we can we can level it out. Um, second half rolls around. Saka gets the ball quite early, is able to cut in and just has the most immaculate kick in off his left foot. Um, maybe our defenders could have done a little bit better closing down, but this one was just this was just absolute class by Saka, um, who's playing in a level that he's always been talked about and could fulfill that potential. He's playing world class. So yeah, that, that was something, um, had to give that to him. Um, but next in six minutes afterwards, we have a corner kick swung in Ramsdale makes a mess of it without punching it clear, trying to either grab it or trying to, trying to like fist it away. And one of the smallest players who is could not make it in the Premier League, apparently, by Jamie Carragher, uh, Lissandro Martinez, has a looping header, gets all of his effort into it to loop this over uh, the uh, line to get the tying goal. So there's about 30 minutes left to play. Yes, Paul, what's up? I was I was just going to say it was it – was... The perfect amount of touch, and that's not normally mm-hmm. what you think about when someone scores a header, right? Normally when someone scores a header, you're thinking about power placement. This mm-hmm. was just touch, pure touch mm-hmm. to float it over the last defender who was on the line and sneak it mm-hmm. just barely below the bar. It was like chef's yeah. kiss. And it was, also, it Lissandra was Martinez, Lissandro Martinez being Argentinian, you know, I'm a little biased, but yeah, it was chef's yeah. kiss. It was. It really was Chef's kiss uh, from the butcher's block himself, uh, with his nickname <laughs> being the butcher. Um, yes, yes. Because yeah, just getting one to get enough power on it, but also to get the spin to have it do that. Uh, the timing of that was is just incredible. Um, so feeling feeling good uh, for feeling good for that, but maybe after that, start to notice that Arsenal is taking more and more control of the game. We're not looking as cohesive, and within the last ten minutes, we can't find a way to get the ball out of our um, defensive half, and we're pinned back. We had to bring back our forwards, which means we couldn't lob balls in the channels and try to huck it, hoping that we could like try to hit them on the counter. Uh, we were we were pinned in, and lo and behold, ninety first minute, Arsenal get their get their goal. Um, there was a VAR check to see if anyone that was played was played offsides. They were marginally onsides. Um, but I can't, can't, can't fault, can't fault it. Um, can't say there's anything wrong with it. They, they got the goal. They got the goal they needed to. Um, so really, uh, from United, very, 
very disappointing. Um, Ten Hag said he was annoyed by the amount of mistakes. I can I can agree with him. For me, more just more disappointing in how we did look like we were up for it. We had the fight, uh, but we were as a team we were outclassed. I think our talent necessarily wasn't outclassed by our individual players, but as a team, Arsenal were the better team. Um, yeah. But saying that, a couple of players were I think a little bit poor. I think we had Anthony, who was our right winger, was poor in his passing today that he could have played in Marcus Rashford a couple more times or in hot form striker. Uh, a couple times the midfield with Ericsson and McFred was really exposed uh, for lack of mobility and the lack of uh, positional defensive awareness. And Juan Basaka gave up two, like reliable for two goals. The first one, um, he gets beat at a header, uh, should never happen as a yeah. right back flying in, even though he was playing in a different position at that point in the game, should have beat it. And for the last one, he played uh, all the players on sides. So very, very dis- uh, to be, disappointing. To, to be fair to Juan Basaka, though, he is following the run of Zinchenko. And by the time that he turns around, the Arsenal players already touching the ball to put it in the back of the net. So to be fair, it's not like he was playing him onside for, mm-hmm. you know, 30 seconds. You know, he had to right. follow the run of, of Zinchenko and play that. And then right. by the time he turned around, he was holding everyone onside. So it's right. This, like, yeah. It wasn't like it a, wasn't a, a negligent. No, it wasn't like a complete negligence, but yeah, to be in that situation, he needed, he switched off for a second. Yeah. And yeah. that was, that was enough to make it with this, with this Arsenal team. Um, so, Paul, I want to get your thoughts because my thoughts are sure. incredibly, incredibly cloudy right now of trying to parse through <laughs> a team, uh, trying to parse through this Arsenal team and how we play it and how we stack up against and what's, what's the future of both or what's the future of our team kind of looking like right now? Yeah. I mean, I, so like I mentioned earlier, to me, it was kind of a combination between the Crystal Palace and the Arsenal game on, on why Man United was put in a hole against Arsenal. So mm. I think I think Ten Hag did Man United a great disservice by poor poor management, poor player control in the Crystal Palace game. So everyone knows, like you've mentioned, everyone knows going mm. into the Crystal Palace game that if Casemiro gets one more yellow card, he's going to be out for the Arsenal game, right? Everyone knows it. All the players know it. All the staff know it. Ten Hag knows it, right? Mm. Why in the world is Casemiro still on the pitch in the 80th, 81st minute? I know, I know it's, I know it's a one nil game and I know it's mm-hmm. close, but Man United have the depth. I mean, they might not necess- necessarily have the class to replace someone like Casemiro's talent with someone like Fred, but you're still bringing someone on in the midfield to help take control of the midfield, bring some energy into the middle of the pitch. Why, why is, why is Ten Hag just getting Fred up, Fred ready to come in the game when Casemiro picks up his yellow card? Why is that substitution not happening in the 65th, 70th minute? So I don't think he was actually going to even replace Casemiro with Fred because I think this game against Arsenal shows why you need Fred or need Casemiro because even if he's, even if Casemiro is out for a game, United give up three goals. Like that's, yeah. that's the noose and that's the 
brilliance of Casemiro is that you mm-hmm. still have to have him because you see it with Ericsson and McTominay. Our midfield was all over the place. Like we were getting yeah. pulled out in different places. We weren't winning tackles and we couldn't find a way. Crystal Palace was putting right. on the pressure and Casemiro is the only one who can try to stop that. Um, so it's, it's a gamble, but it's, it is a to gamble. Me it's, the, it's the correct gamble because yeah, I, yeah, like, Granted, like leaving him out there, he Eric uh, Ten Hag is going to get some questions for that, but he needs to see out the game. You need Casemiro to see out that game because he's going to see. be the one to stop from stop from happening what was happening with Crystal Palace in that that piling of pressure that was happening in those areas. So that's yeah, I that's my opinion on that. I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So, but in in my opinion, like it's just like I and I watch. I didn't watch the full game. I watched the highlights, right? Mm-hmm. But as I'm watching and I'm getting to like the 80th minute and I see what happens with Casemiro, I'm like, why is he still in the game? And I know Crystal Palace is stepping up the pressure, but Manchester United has been stout defensively, you know, throughout the game, right? They haven't given him an, up a goal. Crystal Palace has had some chances, but David De Gea is having a great game. And you know that Casemiro, Casemiro is, is one of those midfielders who fouls often, right? He fouls early and often. And that's why he was on one yellow card away from being suspended for a match. I I think when you were saying that that's a gamble that you have to take, I thought you were talking about taking Casemiro out of the game. I'm I'm a proponent of taking older midfielders out of the game for more youth and more energy. Hence Busquets, who I'll get to in a second when we talk about Barcelona. But I think that Casemiro means more to Manchester United in a top four matchup, top four clash against Arsenal than he does in the later stages of a Crystal Palace game where Manchester United's winning one nil. But that's just my I, opinion. So I think I think Ten Hag did a disservice mm-hmm. to Manchester United by not having someone like Casemiro in the squad for up to this point was their biggest game of the season. In my opinion, even bigger than Man City. Because you're Manchester mm-hmm. United up to this point was the hottest or the second hottest team in the Premier League. You know, mm-hmm. you could make an argument whether Arsenal was hotter or Manchester United was hotter, but these were the two hottest teams in in the league. So you need your your rock. You need that central midfielder to control the game for you. And to not have him as an option because he's suspended, I think that's a big mistake on Tenog's part. I I hear what you're saying, Paul. Um <laughs> but I do disagree because I that's think fine. Yeah, because I think we've just we've seen when we've had a informed Casemiro. The reason why we're in this position is because of Casemiro. Like the reason we've right. been able to have all of this is because of Casemiro. So it is as much as it would be with the 80th minute. I think we like in what we have seen in Brentford in yeah Brentford and Brighton Hove Albion early on in the season, like getting absolutely outdone, like three nil, four nil. That's the potential of what could happen without Casemiro because of our imbalances in midfield. He bring Casemiro brings so much balance. That balance yeah. is what's required. So granted, I personally kind of think that maybe it was maybe to go a little bit defensive and maybe go a little bit more pragmatic. I think we can you can maybe say Ten Hag should have been more pragmatic and not having uh, his players play up uh, or our wingers play more free. But that's what he likes to do. So that's I think this is just a just a a crap thing that kind of happened. Um, I can't pin it on Ten Hag because 
as a as a manager, I feel you always do have to play your best team for that first game and you see what happens afterwards. You always got to play. You should never play for like thinking of the next game. You have to win that game. And at that situation, we were winning that game. We had to keep that game locked down. A moment of brilliance took out uh, United and had us drop three points. But we had to keep Casemiro, I think, in there because okay. in McFred and McTominay, Erickson, you can see in that center midfield, those are all forward attacking, attack-minded players. They're not going to be in the right defensive positions. Casemiro will be in those defensive positions. And when uh, Crystal Palace is putting on pressure, United were in a defensive position. So I, I, yeah, that was, that's, that is my thoughts on, on that. Uh, but good points brought up, uh, with just kind of the questioning of what, what could have happened in that. So. I, th- that's one thing that I like to do. I always like to look at it from the manager's perspective too, right? You can you can analyze it from the player's perspective, what happened on the field, but I also like looking – there's a, a whole other aspect to the game when you start looking at managers, substitutions, formation changes that happen during the game that affect the game. So, you know. For sure. Hey, and it, we, we agree to disagree. That's, that's, why we, that's why we do the podcast, for- right? For sure, yeah, and it is it is about depth. So yeah, and that's that's kind of the great thing about about soccer is like there are like we have the ability to kind of think of the different ways in which like things that could have happened and different kind of strategies in those in those scenarios. Uh, but yeah, it's sometimes I think weird weird stuff happens and soccer happens, crap happens. So it's yep. it's fun to fun to discuss, which is why why we do this. Um, so. Paul, enough about United. Let's talk about <laughs> Barcelona. <laughs> you guys looked good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not going to spend too much time on Barcelona today. Uh, you know, Barcelona continue their winning ways, getting two, two wins against some lower, lower tier, lower level teams, you know, against AD Thauta. Um, my Spanish, you know, Spain, Spanish coming out there. Caliente. Barcelona win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barcelona win 5-0. Everyone everyone gets in on the action. Goal City, even Kessier gets a goal, which is great to see for his confidence. Lewandowski able to play in that game because it was a Copa del Rey game. He is still suspended in La Liga, which I'll get to in a minute. But Barcelona win, you know, 5-0, way better result than against, oh gosh, who was the team that Barcelona played the week before? It was not real Betis. Hang on one second. Against Inner City. Um, Inner City Athletic when I was I guess it was two weeks ago in the Copa del Rey when Barcelona barely won four three and needed extra time to do it. You know, nice to see a nice five will, comfortable win, making sure my heart rate doesn't get above eighty. You know, mm-hmm. anytime I watch Barcelona and my heart rate stays below eighty due to nervousness, that's that's I like that. That's nice. It's mm. real nice. That's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. Yeah, it's healthy. It's very healthy for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, you know, Lewandowski looked great. It's, you know, he's still on form, and it'll be really good once Barcelona can get him back in the squad for a La Liga game. But he has one more game on his suspension, I believe. So, you know, mm. in La Liga, Barcelona were definitely hurting for him against the game, uh, in the game against Hetafe. Barcelona were playing a lot of long balls into the box, but didn't have a presence in there to get on the end of them. So it kind of, everything fizzled out once they did that, which was very interesting. 
that they were playing so many long diagonal balls, which is not like Barcelona's strategy. But it seems like Xavi is mm-hmm. kind of encouraging that to to use Barcelona's strength. So this team, as compared to Barcelona teams in the past, has a lot of speed. Mm-hmm. And especially on the wings, you know, in the game against Hetafe, Xavi decided to play Rafinha on the right and Dembele on the left, which in the past we've seen has not worked before. That was one of the criticisms in the Champions League of Xavi's formation, uh, or I should say his personnel in his formation was putting those guys because they were just ineffective in their, in their positions. And one of the things that Xavi did that I liked, um, is he in the middle of the game after like 15 or 20 minutes, he, he actually switched Rafinha and Dembele. And that actually led to one of the goals. Uh, Rafinha was the pass, uh, gave the pass on a one time off the left wing to a streaking Pedri who put the ball in the back of the net. And I think Dembele is way better on the right wing than he is on the left and is more dynamic than Rafinha at this point. Mm. So he was, he was a game changer, you know, putting, putting guys on their, on their heels and running past one or two defenders and putting balls in the box. So, you know, Barcelona barely get a win one nil. Um, Pedri was honestly very poor, even though he scored in the game. He had a terrible back pass straight to a Hatafe attacker who was one on one with Terstegen and just hit the shot right into Terstegen's arm, uh, which was a poor effort. And Busquets also had a poor game. He looked like his old crotchety self, guy who can't run, making poor decisions, giving the ball away. And, you know, even late in the game, he was defending on a set piece and decided to let the ball go over his head when he could have clearly headed it away. And the ball fell right to an attacker who headed the ball, luckily straight at Ter Stegen. So Barcelona escaped with a one to win. You know, it's one of those games, Andy, where Barcelona are playing against a team who, you know, have geared up for this game, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this is the one that they circle on their schedule. This this game, Real Madrid, you know, against one of the the big teams in the league, and Hitafe also play a five four one. Yeah, you know, it's that's, that's one of those things. Through. That's tough to get through. Yeah, <laughs> especially yeah, if it's very very organized. Yeah, and Hitafe played a very organized game. They honestly only had a couple lapses um, in in their defense, which in one of them led to the goal. So, you know, mm. a win is a win. Doesn't matter if it's ugly. Doesn't matter if it's pretty. Barca, Barca get a win, and honestly, Hatafe played well enough to win the game. Honestly, by by yeah. a goal or two, but Barcelona just ball bounced their way a couple of times and were good enough in defense. You know, Christensen had a, had a nice game. Eric Garcia came on late. He had a pretty decent game. Sergio Roberto still isn't a right back, but had a, had a pretty good game too. So, you know, mm. just one of those things where Barcelona got the dub. So yeah, that was nice. Yep. And it sounds like getting that consistent performance again defensively when you're not creative or not as, let's say, as flamboyant and creative as you want to be uh, yeah. during those games. So, But it's that lockdown def- defense, and that defense can win you championships. So it's very good to yeah. hear about that. Yeah, and, and honestly, like Xavi had to sit Lewandowski because he was suspended, right? But Jordi Alba was on the bench to start. Marcos Alonso was on the bench to start. He decided to sit Ronald Araujo for a full game. You know, could have been a conditioning thing because Ronald Araujo, again, is only a few weeks back from his injury. 
So mm-hmm. that could have been part of it too. Frankie Deong didn't play in the game, who has looked really hot. So I think it was definitely a game where Chavi took a gamble and rested some of the star players. And luckily it, you know, it paid off. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, it sounds like it did because you got you got that win. Uh, so what yeah. is happening looking forward for Barcelona? Oh boy, we got a doozy coming up on Thursday, Andy. So the Copa del Rey draw happened, I believe it was early Friday morning. Barcelona got matched up with Real Sociedad, who is, in my opinion, the hottest team in La Liga right now. They have uh, they're undefeated in their last six games. They're winners of five in a row. And they've looked really good. So Barcelona have a really, really tough game against them in the Copa del Rey. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, that's probably another reason why Xavi decided to sit some of the players he did this past weekend. You know, give some some of those guys some time to to freshen up their legs and, and play against a really good Real Sociedad team. I think Xavi's looking at this season in, you know, like I've mentioned in the past, winning the league, you know, winning the Copa del Rey would be a bonus, but he wants to win trophies. That's what he wants to do. So I think he's, I think he's being smart uh, um, with his personnel. And this is why at the beginning of the season, Xavi told Joan Laporte, Hey, I have to have a guy, not just one guy at every position. I need two guys at every position. I need two guys who I can, you know, maybe not interchange equally, but use and kind of be a chess master and, sub guys in at different points in the season to get the results that we need, right? So that we can play a team like Hetafe and get a stingy one no win and not feel the effects of it going into a really, really hotly contested game that the Royal Sociedad game is going to be. Gotcha. Yeah. And it sounds like it. So I guess like you also mentioned a little bit about like the money going to uh your uh board or for the Barcelona board for uh, players. So what, what players are they looking for in Barcelona's end? Cause I know in United's end, we're not looking for anyone. We got our, we got our guy uh, in uh Wout Weghorst. Wout Weghorst. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I don't think Barcelona are actively going to try to sign somebody in January, this January window. I think I think money-wise, I don't think it's in the cards. I think uh, Diego Dolo, who we mentioned in, in shows past when we did our little special on the January transfer window, I think he's been injured, so I don't think Barcelona are as interested in him as they were before. And I don't think there's anyone that really jumps off the page where Xavi's like, I need this guy in order to get the results this season. So mm-hmm. um, just a little bit of transfer news here. Memphis Depay this past week was sent off to Atletico Madrid. Thank goodness, Andy. I was not a Memphis Depay fan. I know you're not really a Memphis Depay fan. I don't think a lot of Barcelona fans were Memphis Depay fans. So, you know, good riddance. Have fun at Atletico Madrid. I think that was uh, in, I think Atletico made that move kind of in reaction to João Felix going out on loan to Chelsea for the remainder of the year. So they were looking for someone to fill his slot. I think Depay, eh, he might have a nice season over there. I don't really care. Um, yeah, it's just, it's nice to see him gone. I didn't, I, I thought, as I've mentioned before on the show, I thought Obama Yang was the much better player between those two. I was kind of surprised Barca got rid of Obama Yang, but I think they took advantage of Obama Yang's hot performance to get a good chunk of money for him to help with the financial situation. So 
But one of the things that Barca get that opportunity to to do with that move is they get the chance to sign uh, Atletico's left winger Yannick Carrasco, and for a little bit cheaper of a price, which Barcelona need still need the financial help. So I think they get that opportunity, and I think he would be a player that Barcelona could plug and play. Honestly, the left wing position has been a little bit of a hole for Barcelona. They've tried throwing Dembélé over there. They've tried throwing Rafinha over there and Sufati. And for Antoras, you know, and nothing's really worked. I think they've had the greatest success putting Gavi over there, Gavi Pedri, like we saw in, in the uh, Real Madrid game in the final of the Supercopa. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it'd be nice to get someone who plays a true left winger position because if Barcelona had someone to fill that slot and make a true trident between Lewandowski in the in the middle and Dembélé or Rafinha on the right, I think, you know, again, really dangerous. So. But uh, a couple other guys, Ziyech from, uh, at Chelsea has interest in moving to Barcelona. I don't think he really has a spot in the team. I don't think Barcelona are going to sign him, partially because they don't really have the money, also partly because they don't really have a position for him. You know, yeah, he he could be he could be a good addition, but I don't. It would just be Barcelona throwing their weight around, and they don't really have the money to throw around right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that gets dicey in because I know that's where United's at is we just don't have the funds right now because we overspent to get Casemiro. So in yeah. the summer, so now we don't have any money in, in the winter and not much business happens in the winter anyway. So it's not, not super crazy, but you know, just trying to shore up, uh, especially what's happening over all across Europe. Um, looked like PSG like got back to their like, like completely winning ways, uh, smashing, I think it's Pai de Cassel 7-0. Um, so that was pretty impressive, Paul. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's again, one of those lower-level lower, lower level teams, that you, as you see during these these tournaments in the round of 32 and the round of 16 before you get to the, the big guns. But Mbappe scoring five goals in a game, anytime anyone does that, it's it's impressive. I don't care who you play. You mm, know, yes. He's looking like he's getting off of his uh, vacation form and back into his his true, you know, golden boy, amazing, godlike form. So yes, and they'll definitely need that as they go into the to the Champions League. Uh, yeah. mo- moving just across the Alps, uh, the big news that we have <laughs> is about Juventus um, because of their sketchy transfer business. Uh, is the only way I can kind of sum it up. Uh, making <laughs> it's, it's or, inaccurate. Yeah. Accurate summation. It, just making making poor deals and doing things, you know, sometimes the stereotypically, as people stereotypically say the Italian way, which we as Italians don't like, but sometimes they do do weird things with their money, uh, and they've been found out. Uh, Juventus have been deducted 15 points. So as crazy. they were third, I think in third place, now they are currently in ninth place. So yes. that is letting Napoli continue their... Um, or extend their cushion, uh, knowing they don't have another large, um, large club in Italy breathing down their neck. Um, yeah. So we have Crazy. that over, yeah, have that over in Italy. Uh, kind of shifting back to England, uh, we see that Tottenham are riding their ship against Fulham, probably saving a little bit of Conte talk or Conte out talk in the, in the process. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, that, it, Good to see, you know, one of those top teams, you know, they're sitting in that, that fifth spot, that Europa League spot, 
um, not wanting to give up the the tournament football and still still being within a shouting distance, maybe not of the title, but getting one of those Champions League spots. You know, this is kind of that, that do or die time where teams either sink or they float and, you know, getting a win against a, a stingy team like Fulham who maybe haven't had their best season but can beat anyone on any given day, you know. Yeah. Nice to, and they're, nice to see. They're definitely having one of their one of their better seasons. Um, so Tottenham being able to pick up points when United, you know, they've dropped some points and Newcastle are dropping points, you know, makes for another interesting uh, four or top four race. Uh, let's yeah. go uh, across that sea and hit up Spain. Let's go back to Spain, Paul. We have Real Madrid scrambling with a couple of wins against Villarreal and Atletico, uh, or just Athletic Club. I can't say Atletico. I don't know Spanish. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's Athletic Club Bilbao. Um, oh, it's the, Bilbao. Oh, I love Bilbao. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Wow Bao, yeah. except with Bill. I love it. <laughs> well, <laughs> excuse me. That was just too funny. It took my breath away. Um, oh. <laughs> Someone laughs at my so, jokes. I'm like Bridget. Yes. Someone has to. <laughs> if Bridget's not going to do it, I have to do it. You know. I got your back. Thanks, uh, <laughs> You're welcome. So against Villarreal, I don't know if you watched that game, Andy, but Villarreal were dominating that game for 55, 60 minutes, up 2-0. You know, Real Madrid looked like they wanted to be anywhere else but on the pitch. And then Real Madrid did Real Madrid things. And behind Vinicius Jr. and Karim Benzema, found found some goals and just kind of plugged away and ended up getting a 3-2 win, you know, against a team that's really had their number so far this season. Villarreal has been their bugaboo. And, you know, the fact that Real Madrid finds a way to win and then later finds a way um, to win against Athletic Club. I, I mean, I shouldn't say finds a way to win. They won 2-0. And, but Athletic Club looked really, really good and had the chance to go up 1-0 and tie at 1-1 uh, at the end of the first half and the, in the middle part of the second half there. You know, after a, a really down week after getting humiliated by Barcelona in the Supercopa, you know, nice for them to to find a way to stay within three points and stay within the, the title race for the Copa del Rey. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they how they respond. You know, do they kind of use that to, to galvanize themselves and, and move forward and continue their winning ways, or are they going to slip again? So, well, mm-hmm. only time will tell, Andy. Yeah, only only time will tell, as as you say. Uh, so that kind of wraps up our look around uh, Europe. Uh, Paul, as we're getting to the close of our podcast, who would you say are super subs and dubs of the week? Well, I, I love, by the way, that we have these segments at the end. Uh, every time that we have super sub and super dud, it makes me smile, especially the super dud. But <laughs> my, I'll do my super sub of the week, and then I'll let you do yours. My super sub of the week, going to give Serie A a little love. We have Tommaso Baldanzi for Empoli. Um, they were having a top 10 matchup against Inter Milan over the weekend. He came on and scored... A, really a, a rocket in the 66th minute. You know, goalie had a chance probably to save it, but it was so hard that the goalie couldn't get down in time and scores, um, gets a one to win over an Inter Milan team who were, you know, eyeing Napoli at the top of the table and, you know, ended up dropping points. So, and by the way, if anyone looks up Tommaso Baldanzi, the kid looks like he's like 15, like <laughs> absolute Amazing. baby face, but, you know, baby face assassin getting, getting that goal. So. 
Heck yeah. Maybe he wants to be a super sub. A super sub, maybe is how the Italians would yeah. say that. A super sub something. Exactly. Okay, so exactly. you got our, our young super sub, probably our youngest super sub ever. Um, who are yeah. we having as your dud for the week? Uh, my dud, Andy, is going to be Wanpei from Hirona. So I don't know if any of you guys watch the game, but Hirona and Villarreal were in a back-and-forth tussle, nil-nil. Um, Villarreal had the chance to score off a PK in the 93rd minute, and the Golden makes a really nice save on that. But Wanpei came on in the 81st minute, and basically with the last kick of the game on a corner kick, in the 98th minute, Andy, he is defending one of Villarreal's attackers and uh, undresses the attacker. Literally takes the shirt off the off his back. You know how people say, you know, you're a really nice guy or a really nice gal. Yeah. You know, you do anything for somebody and take the shirt off your back for them. Well, he yeah. literally took the other guy's shirt off his back for himself. Yeah. <laughs> what a what a a nice way of of doing that i was also gonna say like shoot he's trying to like do have some daddy issues where he's like trying to undress someone else being like i'm gonna show you who's your daddy i'm gonna take your clothes off like what's happening there very interesting. i have no i have no idea but if you go back and watch the clip it just didn't make any sense and it, the guy didn't really have a chance the attacker didn't have a chance at the ball you couldn't even tell who the attacker was because he took the shirt off his back so you couldn't read his number or his name but that led to a danny parejo pk uh, that he scored in the hundredth minute with hundredth minute, which what ended up being the last kick of the game. Villarreal beat Hirona one nil. So that is my super dud of the week. Andy, who oh, are man. your super subs and super duds of the week? You know, I'm going to start with a super dub because I need to feel a little bit better about myself after that crazy uh, tie and loss to Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to go with the super dub. I'm going to put it at Frank Lampard uh, with his job over in Everton. Uh, one, just want to say never a great sight to see uh, anyone lose their job. But for Frank Lampard and... His group, um, they're going to have to go back to drawing board. So not necessarily because, you know, I'm trying to throw shade on Frank Lampard, but it is a bit of a dud, uh, given that he was able to get Everton out of relegation and with, you know, a somewhat decent team, um, at least on paper, he's not getting anything out of them. Um, so he's been sacked by Everton. Uh, but there might be, might be some promise in that Rain, Wayne Rooney might come over from DC United back over to his beloved Everton. So we will stay tuned on that as a, one of the biggest Wayne Rooney fans in the U.S. Uh, I am very curious <laughs> to see what would happen. Super sub, I'm going to put as actually Sam Surridge, uh, from Nottingham Forest, uh, got a late, or a late tire uh, to keep Nottingham Forest's hopes of avoiding relegation alive. I love a Champions League chase, but there's nothing more thrilling than a relegation battle and getting out of yes. a relegation battle. So Sam yes. Surridge is helping build that legend of that great escape from the bottom of the pack. So I got to hand it to him and his super subness. Uh, way to get on to your first super sub, Sam Surridge. Well done, son. <laughs> Well done. Come on the podcast someday. Uh, but honestly, l one last quick note, Andy. That's one of the reasons why we love soccer, right? It's the fact that oh, you yeah. could get demoted mm -hmm. to a, a lower league, and which could affect your financial and you know who you play against and what you're playing for. It's mm -hmm. it's 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 great. You know, yes. the relegation battle every year is is a, it's an amazing tussle. I love to watch it. 
Right. It's definitely amazing, especially when we're out near the top of the games and we can just see all the all yes. the plebeians fight it out in the bottom and be like, who's going to be the best in the mall? So. Yes. yes. <laughs> it comes exactly. from an area of privilege always, but yes. it is yes, a very, very unique thing that we, we definitely enjoy. Uh, so we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weeks. Uh, thank you again for listening to this podcast. Uh, really appreciate all your support. Uh, please give us a like, a share uh, on any of your social medias that you follow. Let people know uh, about the jobs that we do. But I'm going to leave that all for this week. Uh, I have been Andy. Paul has been Paul. And with that, I'm going to wish you guys a big, grand, old bye. Bye.